0: Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, History of the Thirty Years' War. So last time we covered the first of the Swedish elements, aspects of their larger war plan, and this week we will continue on that, so with the instruction taken care of, let's get started. Continuing on with the Grand Swedish Plan, we move on to the Baltic aspect of it. Sweden's main geographic interest in this war was consolidating their hold on the Baltic coasts. Stralsund was a key holding of this, and Gustavus wanted to hold on to Pomerania, along with the port of Wismar and Mecklenburg, as it would give him more naval bases and grip on the Baltic coast. There was a fear that Denmark would be asked to join in by Ferdinand, which would cause Sweden to develop an interest in Bremen and Verden. The Archbishopric of Bremen was strategically well-placed as a commanded of the Wester, and the forces of state held a grip on the Lower Elbe. The administrator of Bremen joined the Swedes in 1631, fearing that Denmark would make a deal with the Imperials. As it was sort of within Danish territory on border conflict sort of stuff, the Danish and the Swedish exchanged fire in 1632 outside of Bremen, although it didn't result in anything too serious. The Swedes used Bremen to control the border with the Danish and expand to the south, claiming Verden, ejecting a small league garrison in the area. The area was fully held by the allies of the Swedes, but that became less reliable by 1635 with the death of the administrator and the Gulefs defecting to the Imperials, and was fully taken by 1645, when the Swedes took it personally, adding it to their war goals. These lands would allow the Swedes to link the German holdings and safely reinforce their forces, becoming a place where the majority of Swedish conscripts came from by the mid-1630s, and it was garrisoned by Swedes and Finnish troops. So the Baltic was an important long-term holding on the Swedes, but they also had other concerns they were dealing with in the war. The next important part of the Swedish plan was capturing and maintaining strategic bases in Germany as the war progressed. The first and most major point was Erfurt, a town that was part of Mainz's territory, although it had a reputation for autonomy. It controlled the roads between Magdeburg, Saxony, Hessen, and Franconia as well as creating a route to Pomerania, ensuring supplying communication lines to the back lines of the Swedish were safe. It was captured in early 1632, which strengthened the Swedish position. Other bases were Würzburg, which secured Franconia, Mainz, which secured the Rhineland, and became the unofficial capital of the conquered German territory of Sweden, which was a good choice as it was a good position militarily, politically, and economically. A fortress called Gustavsburg was constructed in Darmstadt, across the river from the town of Darmstadt, which would be a fallback point for his army if he had to retreat from southern Germany. There were other bases at Frankfurt, Nuremberg, and Augsburg, although the last one was vulnerable as it was close to Bavaria. All these bases, some were secure and important than others, ...allowed Sweden to ensure their control over Germany, as they could be used as defensive holdings or as launching points of attack. This is certainly stretching the Swedish forces, but the Swedes did make a smart move by ensuring these were held by them... ...as even if it was taken, it, it could be noted and could be taken back. The Swedes, however, did have a bit of trouble in the territories. Most of the territories they conquered were Catholic, and the Swedish displaced a lot of Catholic priests... ...which put them in stormy seas in those areas... They left some of these Catholic churches and institutions alone, due to France and their whole deal. But the majority of religious leaders were replaced by Protestant priests. The local Protestant minorities, in particular, wanted vengeance for recitalization. And in Augsburg, for example, the religious balance was reversed, with the Protestants wanting to suppress and take away the rights of the Catholics. It should be said this was a scale, so not all of them were as bad as others. But as a whole, the Catholics were very hard to suppress, Many of the efforts of the Protestants only being partially successful, and others completely failed, such as Catholic schools managing to stay open due to lack of proper Protestant staff, due to lack of numbers. It seems the Protestants ran into the same issues the Catholics had, as it's hard to dislodge people of faith, especially with force. It's even harder to convert them, which was something the Protestants tried to do. It should be noted, however, the Swedes weren't just indiscriminately killing Catholics which showed their more political concerns rather than just religiously punishing those who oppose Protestantism. Again, the bigger picture is way more than religion. Moving back to the bases, the fact these bases had was they continued to supply Gustavus continuing war against HRE. He landed with only enough to pay for about a week or so of troops, but the war costs began to soar as he continued. The cost of the war by 1631 and 1632 was almost five times the yearly expenditure of the Swedish army. Sweden spent around 2.3 million talers in the initial invasion, but was cut back to about 1 million per year over the next three years on the Swedish taxpayer. They also got money from the Prussians, which equaled around 3.7 million between 1629 and 1635. But places like Pomerania could only provide around 171,000 talers or so per year, which was a lot, but areas that had been devastated by the war, especially against Denmark, France, did provide a good amount of money. And Sweden did secure a loan for about 11 million talers, but that only provided around 30% of the cost of the war in total, as, again, these costs were mounting. Remember in context, the initial rebellion that started this whole thing resulted in the Imperials having around a 20 taler debt, and that was much smaller than this. Gustavus seeing this issue with money instituted Wallenstein's contribution system. He needed German taxes and money to support the Swiss army, which was one reason he was looking for allies. He expected a lot more from these taxes. The HRA was still drained from all these wars, so the sums, again, were not like what he wanted, as a long-term war like this, especially in areas that keep getting raided by either side, it's going to do major damage. The Swedes demanded large sums up front, which would force communities to borrow to pay for them, which left whole communities in debt, which was not going to help with long-term productivity. It was even worse in conquered areas, where there was less restraint. In some cases, people were held hostage to make sure they got payments, some of these hostages dying in the process, and many cities were forced to pay hundreds of thousands in taxes per year. Mines, for example, was forced to pay eighty thousand talers, which was eighteen times its normal taxes. This wasn't possible, and even the Swedes knew this, so they begrudgingly accepted a payment of one thousand five hundred talers a week. But that even ran out by June of sixteen thirty-two. Also, in mines, Jews were forced to pay twenty thousand talers to save their synagogue, so they were doing it to everybody. it seemed the Swedes didn't really care for the Germans. They only wanted to fund their war. They didn't have to save the Protestants and the German right stuff that they became in public, and this probably was not helping their image to the common person, especially with the whole savage thing we talked about before. So this contribution system showed the same problem as Wallenstein as there was corruption and leaders pocketing money on top of the whole draining the money from civilians. Sweden did change up. Once they started to plan to hold on to these areas, So they move back towards their local tax system per electorate, which... Lessen the burden and was more sustainable. The money from this actually provided mercenaries for the Swedes and half the Swedish army and Finnish forces up until about the end of the war in 1648. There was certainly a smarter and less aggressive plan to fund the war compared to the Wallenstein method, so it seemed the reality of the war was catching up with Sweden and they had to adapt, which probably did not help their relationship with the local Germans. I'm willing to give the Swedes a small break, as later the Swedes clearly saw they were being inefficient, so this is less of a... ...wanting some sort of punishment for them, it, just, it was just more of a green and necessity thing. As wars are very expensive, especially active fighting wars. The Swedish youth probably weren't too concerned about the locals as they didn't care too much, they weren't Swedish citizens. Granted, there probably was a scale of some soldiers cared more than others, some soldiers probably found wives, some maybe women who went with the army maybe found husbands... But as a whole, you wouldn't find as much sympathy among the Swedes compared to, let's say, a German in the area. Although that was even different because, depending if you're from Hessen, from Prussia, that would matter how much you cared. Long war sucked for everybody, and the Swedes had been going on for a year now, and the war was not looking like it was going to end anytime soon. The people of Germany were also in a rough space, especially the Protestants, as the Swedes were in theory protecting them and making sure they weren't being persecuted, but the Swedes were also wringing them dry for money and manpower, which it's kind of a, you choose the guys who are technically on your side, but they're not exactly nice, or the guys who might be actively punishing you and taking away your rights. I can't answer that for the Germans, but there wasn't any major revolts as far as I could tell in the writing, so it seemed they chose to tough it out at least. This war had become way more complex, especially with HRE inner politics, external invaders, and it's going to get more and more complex as time goes on. That's it for this week, but next week you finish up with the Swedish big picture and their place in the world, and move on to some of the more Catholic stuff. Thank you for listening in, and I hope you're enjoying it. Social media links will be in the description box, or in the links themselves. You can email me at 3DECOT at gmail.com. Reminded every Patreon, and thank you to those who support me and to review and spread the word, and I'll see you guys next time.